Hello everybody, Julian Charles here of themindsrenewed.com, coming to you as usual from the depths of the Lancashire countryside here in the UK. And welcome to TMR number 274, which I've called Voices from the Stand, because today's episode is essentially a compilation of voices, snippets of conversation, some short, some long, that I've had recently with people at a stand in the park here in our area of West Lancashire. And more on those voices in a moment. As for the stand, if you're as yet unfamiliar with a stand in the park, I highly recommend that you listen to TMR number 269, which is a conversation I had with Sophia Rose, who's also known as Fifi, who initiated a stand in the park in the UK. Now, it started in Australia, but she founded the UK expression of a stand in the park. And I think it was a good conversation. Um, So do please check that out. And as I said in that chat with Fifi, it really is quite hard to define what a stand in the park is. Um, So I really can do no better than to read some descriptions from the A Stand in the Park website, which is what I did in that particular program. But I'm going to do that again because I can't think of a better way to do it. So, quote... A stand in the park unites people in parks all over the world every Sunday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. local time. We stand in the park to celebrate freedom, diversity and fairness for all. Brady Gunn started a stand in the park in Hyde Park, Sydney, Australia. Brady made a stand, alone at first, for his personal truth. In Brady's early Facebook videos, he talked about making a stand for freedom, for our elderly, our children, our jobs and small businesses, against lockdowns, harmful new laws, the quote-unquote pandemic, and the people behind, well, also quote-unquote, the Great Reset. At the beginning of 2021, he reconnected with his UK-based friend Fifi Rose, who worked tirelessly to spread the stands to every corner of the British Isles. Since then, the concept has well and truly caught fire, and there are now around 700 parks in the UK and 1,000 worldwide, participating every Sunday morning in umpteen countries around the globe. End quote. Now, I'm quite sure those figures are wrong by now, because that was back in September. I'm sure there are many, many more expressions of Stand in the Park by now. Anyway, my purpose today is basically to encourage... I have found our local stand here in the nearby town very helpful over the last few months and I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to check out a stand local to you, if there is one, and if there isn't one, maybe even to start your own, because it's very easy. You just visit the A Stand in the Park website, which will be in the show notes, you register that a stand is happening in your local park, and then you stand there at the appointed time, of course, at the appropriate time, and people will find out about it through that website and will join you. Now, it may sound a little odd to stand in the park with other people for an hour each Sunday, but it really has value in many ways. And I've just thought of three things. It provides an opportunity to share concerns with like-minded people about the way the world is going. It helps to build community in an age when we're we're being increasingly atomized and isolated from each other. And it serves as a hub for some action to share ideas and practical suggestions as to how we can be involved in activism locally, to do what we can to counter the growing authoritarianism in our world. Now, we may think that what we do is just small and insignificant, but when we know that there are many thousands, tens or even hundreds of thousands of people doing likewise around the world, 
then that is significant. And I'm presenting this today as a kind of audio diary. Um, I've done that sort of thing before. Um, so you'll hear me get out of the house, drive off, then chat with people at the stand and afterwards in the pub over a cup of coffee where it's much warmer this time of year, very much nicer, and then basically driving home. And needless to say, because I so often say this, but I will say it again, I don't agree with everything people say in these conversations. I agree with much of it, but not all of it. But that is not what matters. What matters are the voices, the voices of concern, the real people, regular people like me, like you, freely sharing their concerns about what's happening in our increasingly troubling world, sharing with other people who are open to listen, who won't come back with, oh, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, or you know, whatever is said, whatever is said but who will treat each other with dignity as fellow human beings, who are trying to make sense of this crazy world. So it's, it's not that I agree with everything, or endorse everything that's said, or can vouch for everything that everybody says. It is essentially about the voices, the people, and the shared humanity of that experience. So all that remains is for me to say thank you to everybody who took part. Many thanks for doing that at short notice. And I apologize for the sound quality. I don't have fancy equipment for outside recording. And it was a windy day. And to cap it all, my recorder kept on glitching. So it's not always easy to listen to. So my apologies for that. Um, but I'm afraid you just can't redo these things. You capture a moment in time and that is it. So please do forgive the quality. It is what it is. But I think the voices are worth the effort to listen to. So once again, thanks to all. And welcome to... Voices from the Stand. Right, off we go. Sunday morning late. Unfortunately, our little boy kept on waking up throughout the night, so we overslept, and I'm feeling very tired now, but I'm late. But I've arranged to speak with some people at the stand today, so I'm going to make an effort to go in. Oh dear. I was trying to get out so quickly there, I almost forgot to put on my yellow bobble hat. You're supposed to wear something yellow <laughs> to uh, define the group. And I almost forgot that, but it's on now, my yellow bobble hat. <laughs> it's funny, when you're in a hurry, things always take longer. More haste, less speed. That's a good phrase, that. So I've got my water, my gloves, my hat, my uh, recording device. Oh yes, I'm always out of petrol. Forgot about that. Oh. oh well. Well, I have to say, it's a very nice day for it. Sunny, crisp, and uh, I have a four-mile drive to get there. Four miles outside of the town. It's when I say the depths of the Lancashire countryside. Well, a bit of artistic license there, but it is in the countryside. Right, entering the town. We're looking around to see if people have adopted face masks whilst walking outside again. Whoa, that's very nice sunshine, but it's right in my face there. Helped wake me up, I suppose. Okay. 
Try to take my water with me. Off we go. Funny how we say off we go when it's just me on my own. Still, I suppose I'm. If you're listening, which you must be listening, I suppose necessarily, if you can hear my voice, then um, I'm carrying you with me. I suppose. Right. Oh, so is that locked? Yes. So, how many people do we have this morning? Obviously, this is a, a subset of the number of people who are in the group. I think it's 10, maybe 11. Anybody wearing yellow? Nobody's wearing yellow. Dear. First time I came, I didn't know that it was the Sand in the Park group because nobody was wearing yellow. Actually, one person was wearing a yellow hat. But apart from that, I had no idea. Lots of dogs. I thought it was a dog walking group. Still, I'm wearing yellow. Good morning. Good morning. Oh. How are you doing? I'm sort of knackered, but yeah. are you? <laughs> Our little one was awake most of the night. Oh dear. <laughs> yes, it happens. It does. I mean, you have to sit on a bus with the mask on, and you can pull off the bus together and go to the pub and don't have to wear a mask in the pub. And exactly. What's going on? Yes. Yes. Well, I, I think the answer is it's not really medical. Intervention, it's um, a psychological one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Boris has proved it, hasn't it, by his Christmas parties last year. <laughs> when he was allowed Christmas parties to go on, when he banned them for the rest of us. But, you know, he could have just said, you know, they, they shouldn't have been asked, they mean. I mean, they, I, should, they shouldn't have been. You know, if, if, if it was real, that, that, then well, they shouldn't have been. Yeah, I've got my own little theory about that one. <laughs> yeah, it may well have been real. Um, but um, I'm just noticing what the effect of that is, is to get everybody talking about how scandalous it is. Yeah. And the um, assumption underneath that, you know, that assessment is we should all be wearing masks, we should all be socially distancing. They, they broke the rules, you know. It, you know what I mean? So it's getting us all squabbling on that basis. I wonder whether it's a deliberate, yeah. deliberate leak, you know? Yeah. Leak in inverted commas, I don't know. Well, well, well that's, that's been sat on, has it, for over a year, that, that, that came out. Yes. Where's it been? Why is it to be Yes, it's come out just at the right time. Yeah. We well, so we don't want to go back to all these measures again, but look at that. They weren't obeying the rules. Everybody needs to obey the rules. How disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're being played all the time, so it be. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right when you read the government website, just so that you can self-declare an exemption, um, number of reasons, but you can declare for significant distress or something like that. Yeah, that's what, I mean. that's what mine is, because I haven't got, got asthma or anything like that, but I'm just going to say it caused me significant distress. To think that I'm breathing in my own waste that I want to be right. naturally expelled, so yeah. it causes me distress. Doesn't it cause you distress in the same way? Fair enough, yeah. It causes me yeah. terrible distress. Well, I'm taking the line it's of sort of um, conscientious distress. Yeah. Now that I understand that they are functioning as symbols, yeah. um, I, it's like I don't want to wear a swastika on my face. I don't want to wear a hammer and sickle on my face, but it's ideological, so it's just as much distress as that. Yeah. So that's justified, I think. Because Omicron is clearly not as serious, yeah. is it? It's like it's like a heavy cold. I'm not there this woman, and she's a brilliant. I'd be concerned if my granny was, if my granny died. And that's what, yeah, I said, right. look, is your granny still alive? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant. So, I mean, she's not even her granny died, and her granny's not dead. So, there's totally ir- irrationality. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, that's lovely. Yeah. Okay, so why do you come to a stand in the park? Uh, firstly, mainly to meet like-minded people, but understand the situation, what's going on. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is going on? 
what I think's going on. Um, I wouldn't come straight out with everything that I feel because it's it could be overwhelming. But mm. I think it's all to do with digitalization of a social credit score. It's to get the vaccines into people, um, and what the end game with that is. I seriously believe is a bioweapon. I believe it's doing damage and harm to people, um, and there's no need. I also think that they want total control over us and that's vaccine passports it'll be digital in the future allowing us what we can and cannot do even down to purchasing certain types of food or travel um, and that's what their site event the end game is um, so standing in the park is just meeting people for a chat and not feeling that I'm by myself or my family's by myself uh, I also hand out the light paper I promote against vaccine passports uh, I've done the yellow boards and I get very positive response on all of it. So that, that's that's my view on the, why I think they're doing it. So what about the, the vaccines or the, the COVID-19 vaccines themselves? So I'm, I'm always very clear to distinguish those from vaccines in general. Because yeah. um, you know, otherwise you just get called anti-vax. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so presumably you've not been COVID-19 vaccinated. I, I've not. Uh, it's, a, it's a choice. I was in the armed forces for 12 years. I've served all over the Middle East, um, Africa, Central America. And I say that because I had to have vaccines for all these countries um, and tablets daily when I was in Kenya and Belize. Um, and then I was in the police for just over 13 years um, and I had to have my hep B uh, and certain vaccines um, I'm currently on lots of medication I've got health issues um, and one of them is an injectable weekly so I'm far from anti-medicine and anti-vaccine right. uh, but this I am completely anti but I can't be classed as anti-vaccine because I've got proven history of taking that so yeah So is this different because it's a choice difference whereas you had a career that required you to do that and you knew before you started that you no, were no no I wouldn't I, if, if I was still in the forces now or if I was still in the police um, and they mandated it I still wouldn't have this vaccine um, I've done research I've listened to experts Mike Eden Dr Roger Hodgson uh, Tess Laurie but there's, there's loads you can have researched um, I do look at myself as being a critical thinker and I like looking at evidence maybe that's my background of being police um, so I've looked at the evidence I was classed as a vulnerable four, uh, group four, so I was offered the vaccine early days. I thought I'd hold off at that time. Um, I looked at what an mRNA is, how it's produced, the fact they weren't telling me all the ingredients in it, the fact there wasn't any long-term trial data, the fact there were adverse reactions. Um, so there was more alarm bells ringing in hesitancy for taking the vaccine than not taking it. So I, I held off. And then I learned more and more as it went on um, and then realised what was going on and so grateful that I did tune into my intuition and hold off. And I'm thankful that my parents-in-law haven't, my wife hasn't, uh, my children haven't. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I've got a lot of family and friends who have had adverse reactions. Have you? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I went to a funeral three weeks ago on Friday. Uh, friends father who passed away after the booster never had heart problems had a heart attack 48 hours is this the guy who's here sometimes yeah he comes here yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's done a couple of videos yeah explaining that so you know this is one of the difficulties isn't it? which is what people will say or the mainstream will say is that of course you can not establish any connection between those deaths and the vaccine so well i've got another friend he's he's ex-police um and i went for a walk from in the morning he was having his first and I nearly begged for him not to, but he, it sounds bad, but he he wanted to go on holiday, one of these. 
he had a, he had a bad migraine. He threw up that evening, and he went for the second, and he got blood clots, and he had to have four injections daily for the blood clots. And when he went to Southport Hospital, they said that blood clots equivalent of sitting on a plane for 16 hours and not moving. My sister-in-law had two. She's a social worker, being threatened with a job if she doesn't have a booster. Her best in heart rate is 115 to 120. She's out of breath. She's got small blood clots. She's having all tests and she's just turned 40. She had no health issues. She can't breathe. She's constantly fatigued, migraines, periods every two weeks, heavy. Um, I've got friends who have been in the hospital. So I've got countless experience of people having adverse reactions. It's, you know, it's commonplace now. You know, I'm seeing footballers, athletes going down. So I've researched into that. Yeah. So where do you think this is going? Um, do you think there will be sufficient resistance in one way or another to oh, bring yeah. this to an end? We won months ago. How so? In what sense? In sense because they haven't got the figures, so they, they get so desperate with the advertising, so desperate with the coercion, so desperate with the bribes. Um, start nicely, nicely, you know, get a free pizza or a, you know, a donut or whatever, then yeah, yeah. you need to have your job, then we'll come out with mandates for care workers. And it's the same with the NHS saying they're going to go in the end of March. Originally that was in January, but they've realised they haven't got the numbers. Uh, people are waking up and saying they're not enough. Um, many family members have said they were promised two and that, that was it. And now they're hearing about the fourth or fifth, and we're looking at places in Israel. I think they started their fourth. Um, people, we say waking, but they're just realising that you know yes. they've, they've been duped. That's a, yes. and it's sad because they're angry now, and rightly so that they've been duped into having something, believing it's the best. And this nonsense about you can still pass it and you can still catch it, it may well reduce symptoms if you're really vulnerable. But again, that's a personal choice. So how did you um, find out about to stand in the park? I was listening to a video from someone who has a channel, not on YouTube anymore because he was uh, deleted, like many people trying to uh, reveal the truth. And uh, he mentioned the stand in the park. uh, And that that was my first uh, information about it. Right, so you'd go to the website and find out? That's right. I went to the website and searched for which was the local group. And then right. came along. So that was a few months ago. I was disappointed they didn't find out about it earlier, actually, because it's been really useful to talk to many other people who are aware of what's going on. Absolutely. Most of us were just at home in isolation, haven't really any, anyone to talk to, understands, friends, family, neighbours. Yeah. And so to meet people with varying levels of knowledge, uh, some of whom are aware of the, the broader conspiracy and have uh, been following it for many years and some that have only become aware of it since the pandemic. And I think they're the people I admire the most, those that have had to learn such a lot in a short space of time. Right, yeah. More questions here. Look at that. I won't necessarily ask you them all. <laughs> I was doing that last night. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Ask up a war. Put you have your misery. You're doing very well, actually. Well done. Thanks. We're going soon for a drink. I think. Oh, I'm do a little in the. Yeah, that's true, pub. actually. Yeah, let's, let's break that for that? a minute in. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. It's off to the pub now. I don't know if there's anybody here. Yeah. Had a long conversation with somebody, so I'm a bit late to the pub. Here we go. 
Oh, there we are. If I want to go into a shop, I have to put a mask on. I'll come into the pub, and it's perfectly safe in here, apparently. Can I have a coffee, please? Uh, that's one pound, please. Uh, That's fine. <laughs> Either. Thank you very much. We're not actually at Stand in the Park at the moment. We've come to the pub. Um, just had a drink, had a coffee, and we're upstairs in the um, the terrace area and just about to have a bit of a chat here. So, um, why do you come to Stand in the Park? I started coming to Stand in the Park because I wanted to make make contact with, with other people. I think it's a bit concerning at the moment. There seems to be one, one narrative which seems to be in the media, on television all the time, and there doesn't appear to be any scope for alternative views. Um, I became aware that there was a couple of local people who were doing Stand in the Park, and I thought I'd come along and, and see what they had to say. And I've been coming back ever since because contrary to what these people are presented, they're not all conspiracy theorist lunatics. They're just ordinary, decent, down to people like everybody else who've got a different opinion, and it just so happens that I share their, their, I share that opinion. Okay, and one of the opinions that you share that I think probably most people, maybe everybody has with the stand in the park, is some level of concern about the vaccination, COVID-19 vaccination programme. Yes. Um, now, I've not been COVID-19 vaccinated. I always make it very clear that I'm talking about COVID-19 vaccines. Indeed. Um, I've not been vaccinated in that sense. Um, I believe you haven't. What I you, haven't. I've, what are your concerns? Well, like yourself, um, I've, I've had many, many vaccines since I was a child into my adult life. Um, every single one of them have been voluntary. This one, I think, is different. I don't think we have any short, medium or long-term safety studies on this. Who knows what's going to be like in two, three, four, five years' time, or ten yeah. years' time. Yeah. I don't like the way it's being uh, forced upon us. It's as if we've been given this this one choice only. So any kind of alternative therapy, any any kind of alternative medicine yeah. is not being talked about. In fact, it's, even, it's probably even banned. You know, the idea of healthy eating, losing weight, taking vitamins to boost your natural immunity, all of this... Is being banned. It's as if we've got one big, huge problem, and there's only one solution. And I don't think there's only ever one solution to anything in life. So uh, it's this idea that we're being forced, and I don't like being forced. And you are determined that you will not be COVID nineteen vaccinated. Yes, absolutely determined. And you're going to, or very likely to, lose your job as a consequence of that. Yes, I work in the NHS. I've worked in the NHS most of my working life. I have been advised by my NHS trust that this is going to happen. So I'm fully expecting to be unemployed as of the 1st of April. But that will not change my mind. I am absolutely determined and resolute that people should not be forced to take medical interventions if they don't want them. Okay, so how far would you take that? We've heard about Ursula von der Leyen over on the continent suggesting that we should have a that governments should have a conversation, which of course is a euphemism for propaganda, about mandatory vaccinations. We can look at what's happening in Austria. We can see what may well be going down in um, Germany, of all places. And Boris, indeed, hinting at the possibility that we should have a conversation about such things. If, if it did come to that, and of course I tend to think that a lot of that is scare tactics, but if it did come to something like that, um, how far would you take that? A mandate? Um, I will not comply. And I think the, your question is telling Germany of all places on planet Earth 
is dividing its citizens once again into two groups. The last time they did that, it didn't end very well. So the idea that they're doing it again within living memory of the failure last time is, is unbelievable. So the idea of a mandatory vaccination or a conversation, let them have the conversation, my answer to that will be no. And I will not comply. And you would resist to the very last moment? Yes. Mm. This is a fight. If we go down that path, then I believe we're heading for civil war. It may not be a civil war like North versus South or East versus West. It will be civil disturbance, the people versus the state. And I don't want to see that. If you want to take a vaccine, go and take it. I don't want to take it. That's my choice. That's your choice. The vaccines do not stop people from getting or, or passing on COVID-19. The vaccines do not appear to be working because now people are having their third shot. Some countries are giving them their fourth. When I've had vaccines in the past, I've had, say, two shots, and I'm, I'm good for life, if not maybe 10 years or more. Why are we needing a third shot? And in no, no doubt in six months' time, there'll be a number four, and there'll be a number five six months after that. Indeed, the third booster, indeed. To my, to my mind, they're not working. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about this uh, business about the COVID passports, vaccine passports, whatever you want to call them? I mean, there seem to be different views on quite what that's about. Um, so, I mean, do you think that they have any argument for them? Um, are you vehemently opposed to those in principle? What's your position on that? Absolutely. Totally opposed. There is no logic to force people to have a vaccine passport because, as we just said, the vaccine isn't working. You can have a group of people together. Some of them will be vaccinated and some of them will, will not be vaccinated. But the fact that it doesn't stop you from passing on or contracting it means that their vaccination status is irrelevant. Is so, it irrelevant, though? I mean, I'm on the same side, well, but, you know, I've got to play devil's advocate to some no, extent. That's fine. That's so, I mean, fine. Is, it, is it or has it reduced, has the vaccine reduced your chances of catching it? Therefore, if you can prove that you've been vaccinated, you're less likely, let's say, let's say it's 20%, less likely okay. to introduce the infection into a crowded auditorium that's a very good question and to answer the question we need to go back to the start so we need to remember the mortality rate for this is less than one percent so even if i go into a room full of 100 people and i give them all COVID 19 the research says that one of those people will die the other 99 will be fine but if we were allowed to give that one person some alternative treatments ivermectin hydroxychloroquine etc then that one person wouldn't die so therefore we go we then come back we don't need a vaccine passport because there's more than one answer. There are other solutions to this problem, but they are being stopped. If we were allowed to bring them onto the table, then the vaccine passport wouldn't be needed. Yes. So yes, I think it is irrelevant. Yes, this, yeah. So often this pattern has been political decisions that have been made that supposedly necessitate a certain kind of solution. And it all depends upon those political decisions in the first place. Exactly. The same with lockdown. Oh, this is the solution to stop us having to undergo lockdown. Why are we being locked down? Because of a political decision to do so. Exactly. Lockdowns yeah. don't work. No. Lockdowns, to my mind, are like the Americans bombing the Viet Cong in the Vietnam War. Yes, it works for a few weeks, but once the airplanes go, they all come out of their of the hiding places and the virus will do exactly the same. So I don't believe that they work. This is a political agenda. What the governments have done is they have used fear against the people. And when I say government, I mean governments, the governments of the Western world. They all seem to be singing to the same hymn sheets, reading off the same script. First, make people afraid of something. Then you make them believe that you have the answer. And that's what they're doing. And to them, the only answer is the vaccine. And we have to ask ourselves why. And they're trying to push the vaccine with the vaccine passport, which is to get people to make their lives as inconvenient as possible. So you can't go to the pub, you can't go to the restaurant, you can't go and visit granny, you can't go to the theatre unless you have a vaccine passport. This is designed to force people to take the vaccine 
And again, we have to ask ourselves why, when there are plenty of doctors around the world who are saying that there are alternative treatments available. Are you also concerned that it may not just be about the vaccine or the vaccines, but also the possibility of adding functionalities to COVID passports that could increase surveillance and banking control? People are talking about all kinds of things, you know, well, digital identity, etc. It's happening in China. The Chinese social credit system is, as I understand this, a real thing which is happening right now as you and I speak. Yeah. If we're not careful... I'm not saying it's going to happen under Boris Johnson, but you always need to be careful of what's going to happen with any new initiative tomorrow. We might have a government tomorrow which is not as nice as the one we've got now, which would probably be hard to believe at the moment, but let's just go along with that. Yeah. It's, not, it's not beyond the, the realms of possibility that they, will, could, they could say to some people, you've eaten too much fatty foods, you've had too much alcohol this week, you've not done this, you've not done that. And we saw a poster the other day in Ireland about people getting their, their booster. If you don't take the booster... You will not, I can't remember the exact wording, but you will have benefits withdrawn because your vaccine passport won't be up to date. It's already starting. It's a pathway I think we should not go down. Absolutely. And you're not scared of Omicron? No. Even though it's heavily mutated, as the media keep telling us? Let's go back to the start. Somebody said it was horrific. Some expert, in inverted commas, said it was horrific. Um, The expert may be right. I'm not going to, I'm not an expert, but let's go back. In this, this thing, always go back to the start, which is the mortality rate. Less than 1% mortality rate for the original variant of COVID. I read the other day, doctors from Africa where this Omicron came from are saying it's, what, 29% less dangerous. It's more virulent, but it's less dangerous. So if we're dealing with something which is 29% less than 1%, if you know what I mean, it's called the common cold. In my books. And it's not worth crashing the economy for putting people out of work, threatening people with unemployment if they don't take the vaccine. It's not worth it. So no, I'm not the slightest bit afraid of Omicron. I was in a pub the other night. The pub was absolutely full of people. There wasn't a mask to be seen. I wasn't bothered and neither were they. Mm-hmm. Are you at all concerned that the virus doesn't seem to be able to affect people in pubs, but it can do if you go into a shop? <laughs> well, it's a very clever virus. It is indeed. Apparently it is. You know, if you, if it depends on where you are. Yeah. If you go to different venues, it'll be there. But if you go to other venues, it's not there. And it certainly isn't there at Downing Street parties. No, it's yes, a very clever yes. virus. But there was no party. But oh, never mind. Of course, of yes, I'm sorry, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> and my final question is um, to come back to a stand in the park. Then is you know what do you actually get out of stand in the park? Is it just a case of standing there and kind of being like a, a mini protest, or is there more to it than that, or is it even a protest? It's like-minded people getting together and starting to make plans as to how we can fight back. So as a result of that. Several members of our Stand in the Park group have joined the anti-vaccine passport organisation and we've been out in town centres around our area giving leaflets to businesses. So it's not just about people standing there talking, it's about people making connections and starting to do something. However small that is, doing something to fight back. And if everybody across the country does that, then this nonsense will come to an end. So there's a big element of of creating community about it, people who are actually thinking along similar lines. And you say fight back. You don't mean with physical violence, of course. No, I don't mean with physical violence. But as I said before, if we go down the path of mandatory vaccines, then I think that's where they're taking us. So that would be a case of self-defence yes. in an individual on an Someone individual wants basis. to come along yeah, and pin yeah, you down yeah. and put a needle into your body, that's mm. assault. You, you have a right to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. I but don't I, think that will happen, mm, but mm, mm. I wouldn't have thought this would have happened if you just had this conversation with me two years ago. Yeah. 
But otherwise, you're talking about peaceful no, resistance, peaceful, peaceful disobedience. The way I see it, it's, it's like Dr. Martin Luther King when he was the civil rights leader in America. It's like Mahatma Gandhi in India. It is peaceful, passive resistance to what was going on. Yeah. Which, if it's big enough, well, they cannot get away with it, can they? Martin Luther King won, Mahatma Gandhi won. There's no need for violence. There's no need for any of that unless they try and forcibly inject people. That, to me, would be a step too far. That's civil war. Could happen. Could happen. Anyway, thanks very much. Pleasure. Well, well, that was amazing. It's now 20 to 6 in the evening, and uh, I've had a massive session conversations with people at the pub after a stand in the park fascinating conversations talking about all manner of things <laughs> ranging from flat earth theory all the way through to eastern mysticism Christian theology fascinating uh, so many different personalities um, so many points of agreement points of disagreement it doesn't matter it's so wonderful to have an open honest discussion about things with people who are also concerned about the way the world is going. So I'm now in the car on my way back. I've just been to get some petrol and I was all ready to go into the garage and show my mask exemption image that I have on my phone, which I downloaded from the government's website. And I was just about to walk into the shop and would you believe it, a policeman was there at the same time. So in that split second, I gave way to the policeman. I said, you first. And he said, oh, that's all right, it's fine. And I went in first, not wearing a mask. As he was putting his mask on, he said nothing to me. Of course, I could have shown him my exemption, but I just thought, wow, there is a, a real policeman who's upholding the law that matters, you know? And no doubt he thought to himself, I can't be bothered to challenge this person on something as stupid as this. And hats off to him for doing his real job. So I was very pleased about that. Anyway, I'm coming home now. Um, I haven't eaten since breakfast time, and I don't care. It's great. It's food for the soul to have talked. Food for the soul. Well, I very much hope you enjoyed that little compilation of conversations from our regular local stand in the park. Apologies once again for the sound quality. Uh, and particularly for those extremely irritating glitches, I did go to some lengths to make it sound as good as I could, but I'm afraid I couldn't break the laws of physics, unfortunately. Um, once again, a big thank you to everybody who took part. I know many of you will be listening to this, so thanks for being good sports and sharing your thoughts and concerns and uh, speaking into a silly mobile phone on a cold winter's day. Much obliged. And for regular listeners, don't forget that the New Year's Eve show is coming up very soon. Our regular international New Year's Eve party here at TMR that we have each year. So do please stay up with us on the 31st of December. Let your hair down uh, with us. Take a break from the troubles of this world for an hour or so. We have to do that, don't we? We can't take things deadly seriously all the time. We have to have a laugh or two. So please do join me, obviously, of TMR, uh, GK and Cruzy of Like Flint Radio, Johnny Iron of The Iron Show, the classical singer, Jennifer Tyson and ace film reviewer Frank Johnson, and believe it or not, believe it or not, our very own Boris Johnson, who I don't think is related to Frank Johnson. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, uh, Boris Johnson, indeed, of all people, I invited him uh, because I know he likes parties. So if you can join us for that, that would be great. In the meantime, I wish you and yours 
a very happy Christmas indeed. And I shall simply end by saying six short things. Number one, show notes for this program can be found at The Minds Renewed, themindsrenewed.com. Number two, please be aware that the opinions of people included in this program are their own. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of The Mind Renewed. Number three, please be aware that the fact that people's voices and that people's music appear in this program should not be understood to imply that any of those particular people endorse anything produced by The Mind Renewed. Number four, podcast music by the brilliant Anthony Rajakoff, attribution non-commercial share alike 4.0 international. Number five, you have been listening to me, Julian Charles, and my very gracious friends at A Stand in the Park. And number six, I very much look forward to speaking to you again on New Year's Eve. <laughs>